Thompson. On the show today, we have the fabulous Jeremiah Taylor from Auckland Roofcraft to chat all things roofing, plus Doris C. Foy, Trust Yourself First Leadership Specialist. Welcome to Property Matters. Welcome along. It's another Monday. We're now into July. I know you're sick of me saying it, but the year is rocking on by. Hope you started your Christmas shopping. Now, last week we had the fabulous Vanessa from realestate.co.nz, and she's fired me a new press release today because it's all around is the forever home no more. New data shows that across New Zealand, people are holding on to their properties for around five and a half years on average. So, moving companies, take note, people in Auckland and Waikato are selling their homes more often than the rest of New Zealand, according to the latest data from realestate.co.nz. The data, which looks at the amount of time that property is held onto until it's resold, shows on average people held properties for the least time in Auckland and Waikato. The time between sales for properties in both Auckland and Waikato was approximately five years and three months. At the other end of the scale, Kiwis held onto their properties for the longest in Taranaki and the Manawatu Whanganui and around six years and four months in those regions. Nationally's properties are sold every five years and six months on average. Now Vanessa Williams, spokesperson for realestate.co.nz, who we chatted to last week, says people choose to sell for many reasons, whether they are looking for a lifestyle block, a low maintenance townhouse or more space to accommodate a new family member. So, whether it's the pace of the city, the pull of keeping up with the Joneses or the appeal of various lifestyle changes that Auckland and Waikato offer over the past 14 years, these two regions saw the properties change hands more often. To find out more, head to our friends at realestate.co.nz. Now, I've got two fabulous guests today. One here in the studio, one is beaming from the other side of the world to chat to us tonight. But first up, we're going to talk about roofs and roof care. And I welcome Jeremiah Taylor from Auckland Roofcraft. Welcome to the show. Awesome. Thanks for having me. When we arrived at the studio today, I said to him, you know, I bet you're loving this weather. And his first answer was, well, yes and no. Because I guess, yeah, being up on a roof in some of these windy, wild Auckland days is probably not the, the ideal. No, it's, uh, it gets a bit hairy up there. Um, <laughs> you don't mind getting a little bit wet, but as long as uh, we're safe. Is yeah, absolutely. Yep. So, look, tell us a little bit about yourself first and your own experience in this roofing field. Cool, thanks. Uh, yeah, I've um, I've been in the roofing industry uh, only a, probably a short time, uh, five years. Uh, I've been with Auckland Roofcraft. Um, I am their quotations manager, uh, so I have a small team that are that that are under me. Uh, I've got two QSs and a. Uh, an estimator. Um, I basically will uh, will be on site. I, I look at anything from repairs to uh, maintenance to to re roofs. Um, I enjoy I enjoy being outside. Um, I love the the customer interaction um, and and dealing with uh, new people every every day. Um, 
Yeah, I, it's it's an interesting job. Mm. You know, it, it, uh, I like being out in the elements. Uh, summertime's obviously the <laughs> yeah, better yeah, time. Yeah. Winter Although time. I guess you get the other extreme in summer. You're probably absolutely baking some days as well. Yes, yeah, you definitely have to have the 50-plus uh, UV there. <laughs> so uh, otherwise you end up uh, as red as a lobster. But, uh, so what were you doing before roofing? You said you've been doing this for five years. I uh, I actually managed a couple of retail stores. Okay. Yep, uh, in, uh, in West Auckland. Hence the customer service focus. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. um, and then I got an opportunity to uh, to come into Auckland Roofcraft. Um, I spent uh, a fairly uh, about two years uh, with a fairly in depth uh, look at roofing with the former owner of, of the business. Uh, he taught me everything that uh, that he knew, um, and, and yeah, fairly confident now that I can handle you know ninety nine percent of things that uh, that are thrown at me. Um, <laughs> we've also got a very good team, very experienced yeah, team. Tell us about that team. It's quite a large team. Yeah, well, when I when I first started, it was uh, we only had seven, um, you know, three office staff and, and four roofers. Um, now we've got a team of 20. Uh, we're up to 10 to 12 roofers. Uh, I say I've got five in my team. Mm. We also have a couple of property, uh, sorry, project managers uh, and operations manager who handles our, our roofers. Um as well as, you know, our admin team as well. So, um, yeah, we're a very, uh, very grown business at, at present. You know, we, um, we're actually looking for, for, for more roofers um, just to keep up with demand, basically. Yeah, I guess some of the Auckland's recent weather events have probably helped that demand a little bit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Good old Auckland weather. It's uh, four seasons in one day. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, and obviously with the weather we've had since... Since January, you know, since our our so-called summer, mm. um, it, it just yeah, there's been no let up, um, and now we're moving into the the sort of the the leak repair mm. area or, or sort of season for for roofing. Um, yeah, it's it's absolutely crazy. So let's talk about that. Talk us through roof care. What can an owner of a property do to keep their roof in excellent condition? The the biggest thing is is maintenance. Um, as you know, we've we've had a fair bit of uh, rain this year, um, and the little things like clearing out gutters, uh, checking down pipes, um, looking at moss, mould, and lichen growing on the roof. Um, those are probably the, the key things. You know, a little bit of maintenance goes definitely goes a long way. Um, and then if, if you're if you're annually looking at it, or you know. Obviously, you know, not everybody's going to get on the mm. roof. So even just a visual check, you know, from, from the ground if you can, just to check if there's, you know, any rust developing, uh, if there's anything maybe maybe loose, maybe some flashings are loose or maybe there's some loose sheets. Um, as always, you know, just, just walking around and having a visual check right. at, at what it is. Um, you know, the the biggest thing this year, in all honesty, is actually gutters and internal gutters. Um, there's a lot of a lot of houses in in the Auckland area that have uh, internal fascia gutters, uh, and if they get blocked up with leaves or debris or you know, heaven forbid, a plastic bag, uh, there's only one place that that water is mm, coming, and mm. that's unf- unfortunately inside. So, just little things as as regular gutter cleans um, to to keep that that water flowing. So, yeah, the biggest challenge is getting the water away fast enough. And when you say looking at maintenance, like, you know, seeing mould and lichen up on your roof, 
is your company one that would come in and do sort of like regular checks and cleaning and sorting? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. 100%. We, uh, yeah, we, we do everything from repairs to, to gutter cleans to, to chemical treatments. Uh, there's nothing that we... We won't turn our hand to. Right. Um, so, yeah. That so doesn't need to necessarily be the big job, but the maintenance as well. Yeah. Did you say annually is a good time to sort of check that, or is it, you know, quite more regular than I, that? Well, you know, giving a roof check annually, just having a quick one. So, with, with gutters, um, d- depending on which kind of area you are, you know, if you live in Titarangi, mm. where it's a little bit more bushy, you know, check your gutters a little bit more regular than, than maybe annually. You know, mm. I always sort of recommend the beginning of. The, the, the turn of the weather before it starts yep. getting, you know, too bad. And then also in the middle of the winter, also just giving it another check as well. Um, you, you, honestly, you, you can't do enough checking to make sure, you know, the, the amount of times that I go to go to sites and, and people haven't done any maintenance on their roof uh, is, is incredible. So. And then I bet they look surprised when you quote for repairs. Yeah, <laughs> oh, well, quote for a re-roof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How do you find those tricky leaks? Like, you know, I've, I've had it in our house block house bay where you know we, we were getting a leak in the kitchen and I was so amazed at the repair job though it was miles away from the kitchen that it travelled along how do you track that uh, we, uh, we've got a multiple of things. You, you look at the obvious things first. Um, you know, if it's a steel roof, you look, is there, is there rust in the area? Are the, sh- are the sheets loose? Are the flashings loose? If it's a concrete tile roof, you look at, uh, is there broken, broken tiles or, or broken pointing on the, on the hips or the ridge? And then when you, you can kind of tick off the obvious stuff and you go, well, that's, that's, you know, I can't find it through there. Uh, we have means, we have moisture readers that we uh, that we use that we can track the moisture readings on the ceiling or the roof. Um, we also, if, if if needed, we can we can water test, right? Uh, which is a matter of basically trying to trying to mimic rain, you know. So mm. we'll get up there, you know, myself or and one of our roofers. Um, it's generally me. I'm, I'm the one who claw, crawls into the roof space, uh, and then we'll have one of the guys basically try to mimic the rain as as, as best we can. Obviously, you don't want to force water in anywhere. Um, you want to make it as natural as possible because you can force water to it into any kind of little little spot. Uh, so we try and uh, yeah mimic the rain as, as best we can, and then we you know can can find the trails. Um, uh, so yeah, case in point, we had a, an incident where. Uh, we had some leak coming in uh, in a garage uh, in this poor gentleman's place, and you know we'd done all the obvious things first, and and we couldn't find it. Uh, we moved to the next step, you know, water testing, and we actually found that the roof uh, that the leak was coming from the neighbour's roof, which was two oh. stories ab- above him. So uh, yeah, there is some. Uh, you, you do get a few mm. tricky ones, and they actually the ones I I, I like. Um, you know, I like solving the, the challenge. Yeah, yeah, I like the investigation and to walk away. You know, once you've fixed it and walk away and go, yeah, actually, I've you know we've done a good job. The guys have 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 done a good repair and we've actually solved the issue for for the customers. So yeah, you can and you take a bit of pride in, in, yeah. in what we do. So, nice. How often should we repaint our roof? Uh, ultimately, you know, you'd be looking somewhere between again. Whether you know whether you're you're close to the sea or or right. it may be, but you know somewhere between seven to fifteen years. It's the it's the paint coating that's going to protect the steel. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you've got bare steel and you and you're near the beach, obviously you're going to get a little bit more salty on the air. It's going to be prone to rust. Um, or you know, it's the, the the paint coating that's going to waterproof the concrete tiles. Uh, concrete's a, a porous material. As it gets more 
more porous, they become brittle, and then they break. So um, it's it's for me, for me recoating is is quite a key thing. Mm. If if left uh, too long. Uh, you get to the point where you actually can't recoat. Uh, then your only option is to to re-roof. Um, so yeah, so you know ultimately I'd be looking at a yeah seven to fifteen year period. So you give us a call. Hey hey Jeremiah, can you come around and have a look at our roof? And then we can we can start that conversation mm. uh, from from there. And that's protecting your investment, then, isn't it? Oh, hundred yeah. percent, extending its life. Yeah, absolutely. So when do you make the call to re-roof? Is there certain sort of points that you go right? There is no more repair able to be made on this roof. Well, you look at obviously if it's a steel roof, um, how much rust has developed over, over the area. Uh, is is it you know is the rust treatable and then can you recoat it hmm. uh, to the you know if, if there's too much rust spread across the roof, the likelihood is that it, it's it's end of life and, and it's needing to be re-roofed. Potentially, you know, you may be able to replace a couple of sheets if it's only in an, in an isolated area. You can replace a couple of sheets and then still recode it. Again, with concrete tiles, you look at, you know, has the paint coating com- come off the tiles completely? Um, which, if it has, then those tiles, you know, are going to be quite quite porous um, and absorbing a lot of that lot of that moisture. Um, and again, you get to the point where if the tiles are too porous. Your only option really is, you know, re-roofing. Mm. Fair enough. Now, <clears throat> do you see any difference in the types of roofing that you come across, and which ones last longer in New Zealand's climate? And I mean, you're based here in Auckland, so in Auckland in particular, I'm probably a little bit biased. In all honesty, you know, we should I say, if you were building a house, <laughs> what sort of roof would you put on your house in Auckland? Uh, in fact, I've just re-roofed my own house. Okay. Yep, and I, uh, we went from a pressed uh, 1960s pressed metal tile to a long run to a long run steel. Um, I'm probably a little bit biased. We we are long run specialists. You know, we do do steel, um, and I find. For me, and, and personally, that's where I wanted to head. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it a little bit depends on aesthetically yeah, what, sure. what you want to achieve. Yeah. And, and If, what, if you you're know. the Epsom bungalow from 100 years old, it might look a bit odd. Yeah, 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 yeah. that's right. So, um, But again, coming back to a little bit of maintenance, you know, whether it be a, a concrete tile or a shingle tile or a, you know, a, a butanol flat roof, um, that little bit of maintenance will save you down the end and, and you know, you're extending the life. So, you know, for a steel roof, you know, I'd be expecting, you know, with a little bit of maintenance, 30 to, you know, 35 years at least. Um, and again, with a concrete tile, if you recut a concrete tile, redo the pointing, you know, keep 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 the moss and the lichen down, mm. um, definitely, you know, and, and then repaint it every 10 or, 10 or so years, that, that roof is, will go for us, yeah, mm. a, a long period of time. So... It's, yeah. it's, it's a tough one. I, I'm a bit biased. And yeah. I do like steel. Um, I think the ease of it too. You know, if there's, you know, you can replace sheets. If over the time, if you do happen to get a leak, you can lift sheets up. You can look at it. You can investigate from the outside right. by, by removing sheets. Um, so. Yeah, I, I like steel. Yeah. <laughs> now, you mentioned just then keeping moss and things down. Is there certain treatments we should be doing on a regular basis to help reduce that growing in the first place? 
Yeah, 100%. Uh, uh, a chemical treatment, you know, just uh, applying a chemical treatment every couple of years. Um, it, it, it's the, you know, the moss and the lichen are all weed, so they've got, they got roots. Right. So the roots will grow into the paint. As those roots or as that moss and lichen spread, uh, the paint starts flaky and you're either exposing the bare steel or you're going to be exposing the tile. Uh, so yeah, 100%. Um, and it's, in the grand scheme of it, it's it's a, you know, every couple of years, it's a tiny little output. Mm. Um, it's, it's an hour's worth of our job to come and give it a bit of a spray, and you know, know that you're going to keep that at bay, um, which is yeah, which is honest, that's probably the, the key is actually keeping that that lichen and, and, and moss mm. at bay. Yep. So, what are the is some of the common problems or issues that you're finding that could be prevented at at present? Mm. It's, uh, Gutter capacity and block gutters and, and internal gutters. You know, um, case in point, you know, we've had quite a few showers today. Um, if those gutters get blocked, you know, the downpipes get blocked or a little bit of debris in there, water's going to be spewing out over, you know, over the back potentially. If it's an internal gutter and that, that exit portal gets blocked, the water's coming inside, unfortunately. Right. Um, and, and you, you know, we've had a, a lot of rain this year. Uh, I've been on several commercial buildings that have had large internal gutters that couldn't cope with the amount of water that's fallen in, in the short period of time. Um, internal gutters built before we realised the weather was going to turn like this. Oh, <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah. I think, it, and... and I, Again, this is me speaking personally. I think it was an an architect that probably didn't necessarily like the the look mm. of an external gutter. Definitely, oh, yeah. definitely, definitely, yeah. Um, but not realizing, yeah, that weather patterns are going to change over the next however many years, mm. and it's going to create more issues down down the line yeah. potentially, if not maintained. If maintained, then then you know, happy happy days. Yeah. They uh, they they can go for a long period of time as well. Um, but if not maintained, they get blocked. There's only one place that it's going, unfortunately, mm, mm. and then, yeah. So, sorry, I cut you off mid-sentencing. Was there any other common problems or issues that you find that could be preventable? Um, yeah, a lot of it comes back to, you know, what potential uh, materials you're using um, or is on your roof. Um, you know, obviously with steel, you'd be, you'd be looking at rust. Uh, with your concrete tiles, you're looking at, at broken tiles or, or broken pointing along the hips and the right. ridge. Uh, if you're looking at shingles, you know, the asphalt shingles, they uh, you know they have a tendency of, as they get a bit older, the, the toe of the tile starts lifting and as the wind gets under it, they, they kind of blow off. So every, every roof has its own kind mm. of challenge, I suppose, mm. um, in regards to what... So there's, there's no kind of blanket. The, the, the blanket is, you know... Keep visually checking your roof, yeah. I suppose, and and keeping an eye out for those things, and and getting to them before they actually become a kind of a problem. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess you know we talk each week here about having professionals looking after your investment. That's where your property managers will be doing those three monthly checks and inspections. And we talked before the show. You've got relationships with property managers who ring you to go and check roofs. So that's great. Look, tell us now about the services your company offers. Let's talk about Auckland Roof Craft. What sort of things are they doing? So we uh, we do everything from residential to commercial, uh, from your one bedroom granny flat mm-hmm. through mm-hmm. to your large uh, commercial building uh, in in Onehunga or wherever it may be. Uh, we do leak repairs, re roofs, recoats, 
Uh, I, I do reports as well, so if you wanted me to uh, to give you an assessment of your your roof or your complex, maybe right. uh, we can we do quite a uh, comprehensive report in regards to roof condition and, and maintenance going forward. We do gutter cleans, we do moss treatments. You know, there's there's nothing that we probably won't turn our hand to. Um, you know, we, we like to think of ourselves as the the one stop shop um, and, and cater for for fairly much everybody's needs. Brilliant. Yep. Now, before the show, we found out they're very busy at the moment so if you ring up or get in touch you need to mention you've heard Jeremiah on Property Matters so they make sure they fit you into their busy busy schedule where is the best place for people to go to find out more information so our website is uh, aucklandroofcraft.co.nz uh, that will give you a bit of a, an outlay of, of, of us uh, there's some good information there around around the business and some of the services we provide um, and it also gives you a chance there to if you do have uh, an issue or, or even you know you want us to come and have a look there, there's an area there you can uh, click on and that will take you to a, to a link where you can put in your details um, and as Stephen said there you're chucking that you said that you've seen us on or sorry heard us on, mm-hmm. on the radio because uh, at, at the moment yeah we uh we, we are just very much catering for our, our repeat customers, our, our property managers uh, and, and the likes because, um, yeah, it is, it is pretty crazy times at the moment. Absolutely. Well, thank you for coming on on a Monday afternoon and stopping, jumping off a roof to come and talk to us. I really appreciate it. Uh, you came highly recommended, so check out aucklandroofcraft.co.nz and thanks heaps for coming on today. Of course, a pleasure. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. It's been great. Well, I am delighted to welcome our next guest to the show, beaming all the way in from Vancouver. It is a new author, but not new to the industry. It says a New Zealand-born Chinese-accredited career leadership and executive coach. So that's quite an intro. Welcome, Doris Sohoi, to the show. Hi. Hello, Stephen. Lovely to be here. It's great to have you, and thanks for, with the time difference, beaming in from the other side of the world. We're here to chat about your new book, Trust Yourself First, Cultivating Self-Awareness, Confidence and Resilience. But before we do, let's talk a little bit about you first and get a picture of who is the person behind the book. And what caught my eye is you began your career as a economist with the London Stock Exchange before becoming a coach and group facilitator. So look, take us back. Tell us, who is Doris? <laughs> Good question there. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, my first career was as an economist. Um, and I actually worked for the Ministry of Energy with my very first job in Wellington um, before I went over to the UK uh, to do a master's. And while I was there, I got interested in the financial world. And at the time, this is going to now tell people just how old I am. It was time of a big bang way back in the ni- early 80s, 1986. Um, I managed to get a job with the London Stock Exchange as an economist looking at deregulation. And I did that for like 10 years, actually, uh, analyzing the markets, um, things like that. Um, and what got me to switch careers was when I actually went to uh, see the HR director one day to let her know that we're going to employ an internal head of internal communications. 
for the right. organisation, which I thought absolutely necessary, really good. But please, please make sure you get someone who understands the market because I was really quite quite um, tired of having to explain how the markets work to you know corporate communicators, people like that. And she just turned around and said, Doris, would you like the job? Are you interested? Which I absolutely said, me? No way. You know, that, that's not what I do. I'm, I'm an analyst. I'm a whatever. But it got me thinking. And it got me thinking to think, actually, you know, I know about the markets. And you know, I can learn the rest of the stuff. If they think I can, maybe I can. And that's, I applied and I got chosen. And that's how I began doing more um, people stuff. People stuff, you know. People stuff. Um, so people that then stuff. led into sort of training and development? Sort of led into training. I always wanted to do training and develop, actually. I was actually doing more communications internally. And that led me to do another master's, this time in organisational behaviour, because I'm one of those people that I better learn about this stuff better. And that led me to go finally move out of the corporate sector and into the education field. And I was working for a business school. And there I met psychologists, quite a few psychologists who are doing a lot of leadership training work. And I just, I really liked them as people and I liked the kind of work they were doing. And I decided I want to be a bit like that. So I uh, trained up to become a coach. That's now 20 years ago I made that transition. And I must say, I love it. Uh, One of the reasons I wrote the book was to actually share my experience, knowledge, what what I've actually learned in the last 20 years, what's been most useful for my clients, the, the kind of information and models and concepts that the clients and myself personally have found most useful. So I thought, hey, look, let's put it all down. Put it all down in this book. Um, and I kind of wrote it in the first instance for myself. It's the kind of book that I wished I could have read when I was starting my career. But I've got two young, well, not young, they're in their 20s, two daughters in their 20s. And I thought, you know, they might not listen to mum that much, but maybe they'll read her book. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, well, this was your first yeah. time writing a book. So how did you find that yeah. journey? Quite an amazing journey, um, Stephen. I think I've always wanted to write a book on that kind of person, and I've tried many times. I never got very far. But this journey uh, coincided with lockdown, COVID. Finally, I had had, uh, time on my hands and no more excuses. (laughs) But again, I'm the kind of person who knows myself quite well, and I decided... I would join a book writing course. This was with Georgetown University in the States. Over Zoom, once a week, Zoom in, uh, listen to the tutor who was a professor, very inspirational guy, learnt a lot, but that kept me on track to write. That was a five-month course. Tight deadlines. They wanted us to, you know, complete a first draft within five months. And I like, you know, that, I thought, yeah, why not? I can do this. I can do this, you know. Uh, and because I was in the community of other 
aspiring writers. Right. And we were meeting up every month, so that was really good. Um, but then I learned lesson, you know, that first draft. I achieved it, <laughs> and I, I got a publisher. Now, the lesson was books are not written. They are rewritten. So it was another six months. So I, I enjoyed the journey. I learned loads, loads. Um, yeah, sorry. Brilliant. Sorry if I'm that, going no, through. that's great. So you've broken your book down into sort of three parts or three sections and you've called the first one awareness, then the second one choices, and then the third one behave. Can you talk it through for our listeners? What is the journey you're hoping they will take as they read this book and go through awareness, choices, and behave? Oh, well, well, that first awareness is all about knowledge what do you know or what don't you know and that um, first four chapters is about understanding who are you how did you get to where you are now and where do you want to go um, i also wanted to impart critical um, information about the brain your neurology and its interaction with the physiology and psychology, but explained in, I guess, I don't want to say simple, but easy to understand terms. Um, that was a big part of chapter four, because uh, understanding what's happening to you when you're stressed out, and how how do you know how do you make decisions or don't make decisions? Once you have more awareness about what's going on inside of you you hopefully will appreciate more about, oh, oh, is that is that why I need sleep? Oh, is that why I, no, no. whatever. Uh, but it, it's a distillation of key scientific research information um, as, as well as at the end of each chapter, I actually pose a, a number of questions for the reader to reflect on and consider for themselves. So the kind of book... I don't want people just to read it, but, you know, it doesn't take long to read, but really to, to build in the time to reflect on some of these questions. You know, mm. I, I, I tell you my story, I tell you this information. Now, here's something for you. How are you going to take this on board? That's awareness. Then, with greater, greater awareness and when you understand more about yourself, let's talk about choices. And then the choices is all about understanding your strengths, not just what you're good at. It's, it's not understanding the whole concept of strengths, which is about what energizes you. Now, a lot of people, a lot of people will say, um, oh, yeah, I'm good at that because it's a learned behavior. Like myself, you know, I'm, I'm very good. I'm very good at inputting data and analyzing and stuff like that. But that's because I had to do it for my job. Yeah. Do I get energized by it? <laughs> not really, not really. But you have no, there's things you have to do. So understanding your strengths more uh, and figuring out what is it that you know gives you joy in life. And even though you may not be good at it initially, if you actually pursue it, take the time, practice, learn it, you'll you'll get there. Um, and understanding things like how to make decisions, things like that. So choices, and within that chap 
that second bit, I, I actually talk about clean language, um, which is chapter six, which is something that I came across about five, six years ago myself, which is um, a way of inquiring, a way of listening better, more perceptively, and a way of improving communication. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and finally, chapter, it's not chapter, the final section is behave or, okay, what are you going to do? How are you going to make it put into action? Um, and it's about learning to learn, about understanding emotions, and about having um, a perspective on your life, a, a, a balanced perspective. Nice. I like the process and I like the way that it flows through. I think that it helps anyone in the sort of in the business world or leadership world to uh, have a path that they can follow. Who inspired you through this journey? Like when you look back and think, who's helped give you these tools to then share with someone else? You know what? That's a really good question. Who? Who was it that helped me? And I, I have to say, when I was you know, in my journey through life, I couldn't really point to that many people until in the last 10 years or so, the people that really helped me. And, and, I, and in some ways, it's, it's my own attitude, you know. I realized learning about um the, the people who I learned clean language from, uh, they were so inspirational. I, you know, they took the time, the way they did. I wanted to be more like them. But also, the other inspirational people are some of my, no, I know this is going to sound weird, my ancestors. Not that I know my ancestors, but through certain processes, I've become much more appreciative of what my great 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 grandfather did when he came mm. to New Zealand from China way back in the gold rush days, yeah. you know, just greater appreciation of things like that. But then there are all the also people like well, not people. Thich Han, the Buddhist philosopher, I think uh, one of the things I say in my book: uh, when you let go of what you are, you become what you might be. He didn't say that. Ancient Chinese philosopher Lao Tzu said that. But Thich Nhat Hanh says, the way out is in. And these kind of philosophers, with those kind of inspirational quotes or aphorisms, resonated with me. Yeah, thought, you so much so, you've put it in the front of your book. <laughs> yeah, well noticed, absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, and, and the book's really about... What does that all mean? What does it actually mean? You know, when you let go of what you are, you become what you might be. What are you? How do you let go? What might I be? What, 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 what's all that about, really? And that's what my book's trying to um, distill in a pragmatic, practical way. Because yeah, I'm very pra- pragmatic, very... Um, I guess, grounded. And that's why I said, well, first of all, start by taking the time to reflect on how you got to where you are now. Now, where have you come from? 
not, you know, geographically, uh, biologically, you know, uh, hereditary, you know, you're, and, and what happened? I did, you know, kind of the stages. So where were the key moments? Can you actually figure out key times? I mean, some kind of change happened or, you know, something developed. That's looking at the past. But where are you now? Where are you now? What What's your life like? You know, how contented are you? Or, you know, and, 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 and looking at that quite practically. And then the question of where do you want to go? Um, yeah. Brilliant. Sorry. sorry. Uh, Brilliant. No, very good. So what's next for you, Doris? What's next on the horizon? Book number what's two? What's next? I'd love to do a book number two. But book number two is going to be a fiction. So oh. Right now, right now, what I'm doing, what, what I really am doing right now is um, talking, doing a lot more speaking. I'm running quite a few workshops um, for schools, for graduates, for uh, community groups, taking parts of the lessons I posted in the book to a wider audience. I mean, I, I just mentioned clean language. There, I was inspired by what I've learned in clean language and I wanted to sh- I wanted more people to know about it. My book gives it taste, a taste. Yeah. And I give a lot of resources at the back to say, hey, look, there's some brilliant trainers, programs, things out there. Is this whets your appetite to be able to listen well and, and ask ask questions which helps the other person think more and tell you more and te- tell they learn about their own self more then this is a great tool for parents, for leaders, for organisations to know about. Brilliant. So that's what's next. Workshops, talking to more people. Excellent. Well, we thank you for beaming in from Vancouver to chat to us. Trust Yourself First is published by New Degree Press. By the time this goes to air, it will be out and available. Please support Doris. Go and get the book and let us know if you read it and make some changes in your own space. We'd love some feedback. Uh, Doris, all the best for the rest of the year. Thank you. Thank you, Stephen. I hope to be back in New Zealand soon. Brilliant. We'll look forward to seeing you back. Take care. And a massive thank you to both Doris and Jeremiah for coming on Property Matters today. If you've got something you'd like us to talk about, or perhaps you've got something you'd like to come on and talk about yourself, email us at propertymatters at barfoot.co.nz. We would love to hear from you. Now, in a few weeks' time, we've got some very special guests coming on the show. So next week, we're doing a bit of a recap on a a few of my favourite bits over the last few weeks. Uh, Just to sort of recap, we're going to have a little chat back again with Tapri Hewitt, our wonderful mortgage and financial advisor, Jamie James, financial advisor and insurance advisor, plus Gene Smith from Barfoot and Thompson, Mount Albert. Just our best bits from the last little while as we're in the school holidays, so we always like to do things a little bit differently. Then we've got some very special guests. I can't tell you much, but it's from a new reality television series, and they're going to come in and talk to us in a few weeks' time. But then, talk about reality, it is time to bring in the politicians. 
So we've invited all our political parties. So far, only National and ACT have put their hand up saying, absolutely, we will be there. And they want to come in at the end of July, beginning of August, to talk about where housing, investment and business sort of space sits for them as we head into the new election year. To have a listen to sort of what their policies might be uh, and get a little sense of where they're heading. So this is where you can play a part. I need you to email me questions that you would love us to ask. I will have a few people in here to help ask them. Email us at propertymatters at barfoot.co.nz. What is it as an investor or as a tenant, a landlord, yourself, just Joe Public, want to know from our politicians as we head into this next election cycle? Email us at propertymatters at barfoot.co.nz. Now, as always, you can listen to our podcasts on Spotify, Apple and Samsung Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or pretty much wherever you like to listen to them. So make sure you have a listen to some of those past ones that you may have missed out on. We'd love you to tune in. A massive thank you to our team at Barfoot and Thompson celebrating 100 years and sponsoring and supporting us. And to Matt and Adam who always look after all of that. Jeez.